0: Well, we are in the midst of a series called Counter Culture, and in this series, we are looking at how do we live counter to a culture that lives so counter to the way God has called us to live? How do we hold on to our convictions without holding in contempt the people who do not, not only don't share our values and the values that God calls us to share, but even are hostile, you know, increasingly hostile to those godly values. How can we find a better way to live in Babylon? Because we live in Babylon, just by another name. We live in Babylon. So how can we live better in Babylon? As we've been talking about, a way to live better uh, is, another way of saying that, is a life hack. A life hack is just a, uh, you know, a a resourceful, creative way to solve an everyday problem problem. And so each week I've given you some different life hacks and I've got three more for you today. And based on what we're going to talk about, I thought we would keep them in line. And so we're going to talk a little bit about some things that have to do with fire. Uh, So here's the first one. And some of you may know something along these lines of of these, Uh, but if you've ever tried to start a fire, like as in a campfire or anything like that, you know how helpful it is to have a fire starter, but maybe you don't want to go pay for some. So if you have lint from your dryer, and you have toilet paper, which I hope you do, uh, then you can take the roll from a toilet paper, take the lint from your dryer, jam it into your uh, toilet paper roll, and you have a homemade fire starter. If you want to get really serious, you can do a couple things. You can wrap it in wax paper, uh, or you can pour some uh, oil in it, and you know that can get a little bit messy, but there's your fire starter for you. Maybe you don't have uh, a fire starter, or you don't have kindling, Well, you might have a solution in your snack bag. Did you know that Doritos can be a great source of kindling for a fire? They burn long enough and hot enough uh, temperature-wise to help get a fire started or at least help it on its way. Uh, That's not the only snacks that burn. Uh, Corn-based chips in general burn. Cheetos, Fritos might not be surprising that flame and hot Cheetos also burn very well, And they also burn your mouth if you eat them. So, uh, but what if you don't have a fire source in the first place? Well, you could try rubbing two stips, sticks together. Good luck with that. Or if you have a battery and some chewing gum, you can make your own fire without anything else. Uh, so if you need to have, first of all, it, the chewing gum has to be a metallic wrapper. It can't, the paper wrapper will not work. But if you take the wrapper, if you have a, like a double A battery, and you take the wrapper and you cut it into a sliver, or you can even fold it into a sliver, I think, and connect both sides, the positive and negative sides of the battery, it will ignite and you can have fire. Now, kids, please do not try that at home without adult supervision. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the reality is if you, if you do try this, be careful because the battery can get hot. And here's the reality. Fire can be a wonderful thing, Right? But it can also be a very dangerous thing. And you really need to learn how to handle fire, especially. When you live in Babylon. So we are in Daniel chapter 3 this week, but let me recap for you a little bit about what happened at the end of Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon, had a dream, and in the dream there was this statue made of different kinds of metals. And Daniel gave King Neb, that's what we're going to call him the rest of the time, because Nebuchadnezzar takes to say it all the times that we're going to read it, takes like five minutes uh, off the sermon to just say Neb. Uh, So King Neb, he gives the interpretation to him. He says, Neb, you are the head of gold. But your kingdom's not going to last forever. And so after you's going to come another kingdom, a second kingdom, it's not as powerful. After that's going to come another uh, third kingdom. After that's going to come another kingdom. And during that fourth kingdom, God is going to bring a kingdom that will last forever. And if you hadn't listened to that message, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. But Neb was so impressed with Daniel's wisdom that he put him in charge of the entire province of Babylon. And Daniel subsequently put his three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in charge of the province as put them over the province as well as administrators. Now there, there's, I, I bring that up, recap that for a little bit, just to, to point out two important things that we need to know going into this story. One is you will not find Daniel in Daniel chapter three. Okay. So Apparently, he is off on business somewhere, doing something that heads of provinces do. He's moved up quite well. Um, And I I bring that up because I think it's pretty clear, if Daniel was there, he would have been standing right alongside his three friends, and he would have been right where they were. Here's the other thing that is important for us to remember. Uh, At the end of chapter 2, it ends with King Neb falling down before Daniel, if you remember. Falling literally falling down before Daniel and praising him for his wisdom. But as we're going to see, he's not quite ready yet to bow down to Daniel's God. Because Neb starts thinking, so my kingdom is going to end, and I'm going to spend my whole life building an empire that's not going to last. I don't like that. So notice how the very first verse of the next chapter starts. Daniel chapter 3. Again, Chapter two ends Daniel being praised for this interpretation, even though it wasn't necessarily favorable. That's what, you know, Neb, Neb praises him, puts him in charge of the kingdom. And verse one of chapter three says, King Neb made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide. Just in case you don't know, that's 90 feet high and nine feet wide. This is no small statue, by the way. And set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So again, Daniel at the end of chapter 2 tells King Neb, Neb, your kingdom will not last. Neb says, oh yes, it will. I'm going to ensure that it will. When he built that statue, he was saying, I want the whole statue, not just the head, to be gold. I want the whole statue to be made of gold because my kingdom is going to endure. I don't like what Daniel's God says is going to happen to the future of my kingdom. I'm going to create my own future, and I'm going to make sure my kingdom lasts forever. And so he commissions this statue to be built. Then he hires a top-notch praise guy, brings him in and he brings everybody before the statue and here's what the top notch praise guy says as soon as the music starts everybody how many some most nope everybody must bow down and worship the gold statue the king has set up and whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace and so we have attention attention that has existed since the beginning all the way back to the garden of eden will the creature worship the creator or the created will the image that god has made you and me bow down to an image that god has not made and babylon says yes you will and you've got to know something about Babylon. And by the way, when you read Babylon, when you read that in, in Scripture, it really refers to any nation that is outside of God's will and doesn't honor God. But understand, Babylon has firepower. In other words, Babylon has resources to pressure you to get on the same page with Babylon and to change teams, to change allegiance. You see, faith is always under fire in Babylon. Now, we're going to talk in a few minutes about what you can do, and you can either make the fire hotter or le- release the fire from you based on how you respond and what, how we live. But faith, true faith, is always under fire in Babylon, always. Fiery trials are not the exception. They are the rule when you live in a culture where the majority of people don't honor God as he's due to be honored. Paul told Timothy, listen, he said, when you truly live for Jesus and you follow him, and you surrender to him, you are going to get pushback. Every time, every person who lives, tries to live a godly life is going to get pushback. I don't care what culture you're in, you are going to experience some fire when you try to live for Jesus. By the way, should say something. If you're not experiencing any fire, you draw some conclusions. But the fire could actually serve God's purpose because God can have a purpose for Jesus the furnace the apostle peter in his two letters he uses a lot of language where it's it's similar to this this picture in daniel and, and other um, you know old testament literature that he talks about we are we are exiles we are foreigners we are aliens we are pilgrims we don't use a whole lot of that language nowadays but very common in in these times because they understood this is not they were living in babylon we're exiles here and so Paul, or excuse me, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. He says, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come, here's why they happen. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold Good choice of words there. Which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter says, listen, your faith is going to be tested in Babylon, but it's being tested so that it can be trusted. I love what James writes in James chapter one, verses three and four. He says, the testing of your faith, here's what happens. It's not just for no reason. Here's the purpose. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. It produces people who can get through things that happen to them in life and get through the fires of Babylon. It produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, which the inverse is, without that, we are lacking something. We will not be made into the mature, complete people of God that he desires for us to be without those trials. And so God allows our faith to be under fire in Babylon, but we're not under fire because God wants to break us. That's not the purpose. We're under fire because God wants to display in us the work that he's doing in our lives. And so Daniel's young friends are going to put their faith on display because they're willing to stand in the line of fire. Some guys come forward and they say to King Neb, King Neb, just in case you forgot, remember that edict that you put into place, that proclamation, you know, the thing about if people don't bow down when they hear the music, maybe you forgot about it. Well, there are some Jews whom you have set up over the affairs of the province of Babylon, just in case you don't know who the Jews are, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'll go ahead and tell you their names, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have Set up. Now, I think it's worth noting, we don't know for sure from the text, but we do get some clues. I think it's worth noting that it doesn't seem that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were acting like obnoxious jerks in Babylon. They weren't calling attention to themselves, they weren't publicly renouncing the king, they were simply living out their faith in a culture where most did not accept their faith. And I think that's worth noting because in this series I've been saying that when we live in Babylon, we We can still be graceful and respectful as we hold on to and live out our convictions. We can still be graceful and respectful. And yet, here's the reality. I don't care how graceful and respectful you are. There's going to come a time when Babylon is going to push back. When your refusal to bow down will stand in judgment on their values. And Babylon is going to say, change teams, change allegiances, or there are going to be some consequences. So verse 13, furious with rage, Neb summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so these men were brought before the king, and Neb said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Question for you. Why did Neb give them a second chance? If you read much about King Neb, so far even, just what we've read, you know he has a temper. He is prone to overreact. You know why he gave them a second chance? Because they were good at their jobs. Babylon flourished under their leadership. Even though they lived by their own morals and values and convictions, they were a blessing to Babylon, and Neb didn't want to lose them. They were just like Daniel, as we talked about. They served God in Babylon and they served in Babylon for God. But on this one issue, Neb could not compromise. Again, he's just heard this interpretation of the dream. His kingdom's not going to last. And he says, I need everybody in this country from top to bottom on board with my vision for this country, for this empire. I need everybody on the same page to know that my will for Babylon will endure. And so, guys, i put up with it long enough. You know, it's nice and cute. You know, you want to serve your God. You want to worship your God. You want to do your little religious customs. That's sweet. But, guys, think about it. If your God was so great, would you really be here in the first place? I mean, if your God was so great, wouldn't he just— you know, blow all this down, right? And just, why would you be in exile anyways? It's time to recognize you are on the wrong team. Change your jersey, bow down, and worship my gods. So what do you do? What do you do when the pressure of the culture is so strong and it feels like your team is losing? Well, basically, you have two options. Here's option number one. You can bow along to get along. Bow along to get along. The way some Christians deal with fire is to water down their convictions. They're very good at baptizing and rationalizing fear and compromise, and we call it just being prudent, right? I mean, the, you think about some of the things. These three young Hebrew boys could have said, well, you know, what if we just bow on the outside, but we don't really bow on the inside? I mean, they could have said, well, you know, what if we just bow this one time and then we'll go rush off to church and we'll, we'll have like confession time. And, and, you know, God obviously is, you know, he's gracious, right? Or they could have thought, you know, we are the only ones who speak for God in this place. What, what if we die? Who's, who's going who's gonna to share this message, right? Who's going to live it out? It would be prudent, actually, for us to save our lives. They could have said, hey, this is politics. Religion, politics, we all know that doesn't mix. So let's just do what's politically prudent, and then we'll go to church on the side. You see, the way some people survive Babylon is to keep more than one jersey in the closet. And so I got my Sunday jersey out, right, because we're all on the same team, and we've got to make sure we have the right jersey out. But then when I go out in the world on Monday... I go out to work, I go out to, church, or to school, like that jersey doesn't fit in as well. And so I got to pull out my other jersey. Because here's the thing, the lukewarm rarely ever come under fire. So that's one option, bow along to get along. That's not the option, if you know the story, that these three young Hebrew boys chose. They chose option number two, that is to stand for God and withstand God the heat. They decided to fight fire with faith. They didn't have a plan B. They just had plan A. Plan A, we are going to honor God. For them to dishonor God so that they could avoid a furnace was so much more ludicrous than honoring God and facing the heat. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Neb in verse 16, King Neb, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And perhaps one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They knew their God's power. But they also knew their God had purposes. And they didn't always know God's purposes. They didn't know what was going to happen if they were thrown into the fire. They knew that the love of God doesn't always separate a believer from fire. Let me say that again. The love of God does not always separate a believer from fire. But they also knew that no fire can separate a believer from the love of God. And so they weren't sure what God was going to do, but they were sure what they were going to do. They were going to honor God, and they knew that ultimately that was fireproof. And so those three young men said to the most powerful man in the world and also one of the most reactionary men in the world, our God will give us the strength to face whatever happens, but we will not bow down. We will not bow down. And you are never more free than when you reach that point. How liberating to reach that point where you are going to live by your conviction no matter what it costs. And so even though they're bound, they are free. They are bound. They are tied up. Neb's so angry that he sets the furnace. He turns it all the way up. The dial goes to 10. He turns it up to like 70, basically. Ten, seven times hotter than normal. It was so hot that the men who carried them to the furnace died when they threw them in get your mind around that but look what happened verse 24 king neb leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors hold on weren't there three men that we tied up i mean i'm not great at math here but one two three not super hard to count that weren't there three men that we threw in we tied them up we threw them into the fire they replied certainly your majesty He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Isn't that cool? (laughs) That's an understatement. They're set free in the fire. The fire doesn't singe their hair, doesn't singe their clothes. They don't even smell like smoke. The only thing the fire burns is their bonds. How cool is that? Verse 28, I would expect Neb to say something like this. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. I told you he liked to overreact, right? From one extreme to the other, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. But then listen to this. For no other God can save in this way. You see, the furnace doesn't have the last word. God. God has the last word. We live in Babylon. Don't be shocked when Babylon brings pressure. Babylon will always have fire power, but we can learn how to grow a faith that is fireproof. So let me give you three heat hacks this morning as we close out our time to survive in Babylon. Here's the first meet God in the furnace. I know that doesn't sound fun. I, I'm not saying it's fun or easy or something that we just easily welcome. But that's what God calls us to do, to meet him in the furnace. And because they wouldn't worship a false god out of the fire, they got to worship the true God in the fire. You see, faith doesn't always guarantee the absence of fire. I know we would like it to be that way. It doesn't. It doesn't. If you can show me where it does, please bring it. Now, the ultimate... Eternal fires, yes, you will avoid. But in this life, there's no guarantees that we are going to avoid the fires just because we have faith in Jesus. But it does promise the presence of our God in the midst of the flames. Neb Neb says, I see four men, not three, I see four men. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Let me tell you something. If you follow Jesus and you surrender to him and you sell out for him, you will meet him in the fires before you meet him in the sky. I love the words of the prophet Isaiah. He writes, When, not if, not if, when, you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Again, it doesn't say if, it says when. Also notice it doesn't say around, it says through. When you go through the waters, when you go through the fire, I will be with you. Let me ask you a question. Do we really want greater intimacy with God? I mean, do do we really want that? Because we'll sing songs, you know, like Anywhere with Jesus— you know, anywhere with Jesus. God, I want to I know you more. I want to I feel your presence more. I wanna, we'll talk about wanting to, to feel the, the love of God more. But recognize you may have to go to the fire to get that. You see, I think about how many times I pray contradictory prayers. Maybe I'm the only one. But I'll pray, God, I want to know you more. God, I, I want to feel your presence. I want to believe more deeply in, in, in your salvation and your forgiveness. For me, for those around me, I want to feel your presence more. Oh, and by the way, can you just take away all my problems? What? You, I wish it were that, that we could have both of those. But that isn't the way it often happens. So do you want a fire-free life or do you want greater intimacy with God? Here's the ironic thing you're never going to have a fire-free life. (laughs) Whether you have intimacy with God or not, you're still going to face the fires. One of the most incredible stories that I've heard is about a guy named George Chen. Uh, Chen became a Christian when he was uh, about the age of 19 and just was on fire for God, no pun intended, uh, and um, set up some house churches in the village where he lived in China. And these house churches began to grow, but as they grew, they also caught the attention of the communist authorities. And so they came, and because he was the leader, they arrested him and threw him into prison. And in prison, they gave him an indignity that I cannot fathom. His job every day was to keep the pipes clear in the cesspool for the prison. All the prison. All the human waste. And so he would get up every day and be forced to walk in human sewage, And after he was done vomiting and throwing up, he would clear the drainage pipes. But as he would later say, he said, that place of disgust became my garden. He said, the smell was so bad that the guards would stay so far away from me. It was the only place in camp where I could sing and worship and they wouldn't beat me. And so he did. I don't know how many of you heard the story of uh, Corey ten Boom, but that brings that to mind when I think about her and the fleas, the story of the fleas. But it became Chen's time with God. And as he stood knee-deep in human waste every day, Chen often sang the beautiful words of his favorite hymn. Again, knee-deep in human waste. And he sang his favorite song, I come to the garden alone. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. You see, faith doesn't mean that you'll always be saved from the furnace but it does mean that you won't have to enter it alone. You meet God in the furnace and that means you must trust God with the flames. Daniel's friends testified, our lives are not in your hands, Neb. Our lives are in God's hands and our deliverance is sure. We're just not sure what it's gonna look like. He's gonna save us. We just don't know how, but we're gonna trust him. I told you earlier, to me, one of the, most incredible verses in all of Scripture is when they looked at King Neb and they said, even if he doesn't save us, we're not bowing. It's easy to say, I'm not bowing if I know God's going to save me in the way that I want him to. It's a whole lot harder when I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'm going to hold on to my faith and my trust in God no matter what he does. Because I know whatever he does, it's going to be good. And it's going to be for his glory. There's an awesome song. Those of you who listen to contemporary Christian music, it's a song by Mercy Me. It's called Even If. And it's kind of along the lines of this um, passage in this story. And one of the lines goes like this. I know you're able, and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. And I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. And those young men were saying, listen, obedience is our responsibility. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. And so we're gonna do what's right and God will decide what happens next. And so when those young men went into the fire, let me ask you a question. What if they had burned? What if they had burned? Would that be a testimony to their lack of faith? I can tell you, absolutely not, right? They would have said it was testimony to their faith that they were willing to go there and be burned for their conviction in following Jesus and not bowing down. They were going to trust God in the flames. Sometimes God delivers from the fire and praise God that he does. Sometimes God delivers in the fire. And sometimes God delivers unto himself. And fireproof faith is when you don't just focus on God's power. I'm not saying we shouldn't recognize God as powerful and he can do anything he wants, but fireproof faith isn't just focusing on the power of God, but you start trusting in the character of God. And your faith isn't just about what God can do or might do, but it becomes more and more about who God is and you trust his goodness and his purpose. And when you get to that place, you're not just willing to be a living sacrifice, you become a living sermon. And that's when you can let God turn heat into light. Think about how many heroes in the Bible that you read of, people had their faith tested, lived out their faith. How many of them lived furnace-free lives? Spoiler alert, this many. Even more than that, think about your people in your life who had made the biggest difference. The spiritual heroes of your life. How many of them lived furnace-free lives? And yet their faith through it, their faith in the darkest times is what makes their faith shine the brightest You see, God uses fire in the lives of people who are close to him to help thaw, unthaw the hearts of people who are far from him. George Chen, who I told you about earlier, after 18 years, he was let out of prison. He went back to that little village where he had started three house churches, just assuming I, I don't even know what I'm going to get. Maybe, maybe the house churches are still going and the people that I helped come to Christ, maybe they're still a part of that. He went back and found 5,000 Christians waiting to honor him. Because when they heard about George Chin, they considered that if Jesus was worth dying for, then he must be worth living for. Maybe God you, has you in a fire right now. But maybe it's to help bring your Neb into the kingdom. And so maybe a better way to live in Babylon, and, and again, this is not to diminish what it is that we're going through, but maybe, maybe a better way to live in Babylon is to stop complaining and whining about the heat and to start shining the light we live in Babylon. The majority of our culture doesn't hold our values. They don't honor God. Guess what? We're right where we need to be. We're right where we need to be to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So shine the light.